Well, I didn't intend to uh, leave a hanging Chad the other day in our discussion on the We Tackle Life podcast about the over-under on Ryan Day's future. But boy, the feedback that I've gotten uh, since then has told me that uh, we need to fill in the blanks for folks. Mr. Spielman, welcome to a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Bruce Hooley, Chris Spielman with you. We said on Wednesday that um, because of Ryan Day and Redskins opening and him getting questions about it at the press conference that we set the over-under on Ryan Day being the head coach of the Buckeyes at four and a half years, you said that at some point you expect him to be an NFL head coach. No doubt about it. I think he's built for the NFL. So people want to know, <laughs> all right, then who's going to follow Ryan Day? Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> well, he's following far behind at the moment. Uh Here's the thing. You don't know who the hot coach is going to be in five years. Three years ago, if I'd have said, Urban Meyer's going to have a health scare and Urban Meyer's going to retire, who will succeed Urban Meyer? Nobody would have said Ryan Davis, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. So you don't know who the hot coach will be. Although, if you had to handicap it, leader in a clubhouse. <laughs> Go ahead. This is great. I love it. <laughs> the next coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes will be the previous coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Urban Meyer. Tan rested and ready. At age what? He'd be like uh, 59, five years? 60? Yeah. Yeah. 59, 60? Yeah. Ready to go. The pine Let's house go. will the pine house will be running, <laughs> you know, on autopilot and he'll be back and ready to go. He'd be tired of dry, traveling out to LA every weekend. Let's does, go. Get it back that, going. Uh, let's let's Pursue that a little bit. How has that worked out? I'm trying to think of guys who came back for a second tour of duty. John Robinson did at USC. Uh, uh, Mac Brown's back for a second tour of duty, but not at Texas. And, well, he's back second tour of duty at North and Carolina. By the, by the way, yeah, and Mac and Urban are really close. And so Mac yeah. stepped away for a Lends while. Credence to my theory. Uh, it's not. It's not as crazy as uh, I. Th I think. Yeah, if Urban does coach again, it'll be at Ohio State. Absolutely. I'm now all before, in. I'm all in on people that. People can go back an episode. I don't know what it was, but you said before if he coaches anywhere. What do you say? USC, UCLA, Penn State? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. You eliminated Penn State. Yes. Uh, no, you eliminated Penn State. I, I did eliminated. Eliminate you Penn. finally did. You finally oh, said did I? three. You said UCLA, USC, or Notre Dame. I think Urban is the leader in the clubhouse. <laughs> you convinced me, sir. I, I'm also going to say Luke Fickle. I was going to say I can tell you who the next Penn State coach will be. Luke Fickle. No. Yes. Here's, here's how the dominoes are going to fall, okay? Clay Helton fired, James Franklin to USC, <laughs> Luke Fickle to Penn State. Mark it down, episode, what, 2930. You don't uh, think so? No. I think, Luke could not turn down Penn State if they came after him. No. In the could, wake no. of beating Central Florida, giving them their first loss in like three years. Congratulations, Did you watch Luke. any of that? I by watched the, all did of Did you it. see his face after the game? Yeah, what's with the deal with, here's the thing, and, and I love Marcus Freeman. Why is Marcus getting all the love during that game and Luke got none? Like, how many sideline shots of Marcus were there? Because he's a 12, defensive 15? coordinator and he's shutting down yeah, the— Luke's the head coach. He's shutting down the national championship offense. <laughs> Luke has no input on the defense? Luke's a defensive guy. Yeah, Luke has all the input on the defense. That's why you saw Marcus Freeman on the sidelines, because he was good TV. Yeah. And Luke's not really good TV. He was Luke's good like after the there. game. I yeah, mean, that, that face, <laughs> like, it just looked like he won another state championship in wrestling when he pinned a guy. Yeah, it was like 12th. Yeah. Man, it was so, in wrestling. So, uh, I think Luke Fickle's a guy that you could look at. 
And we'll see um, another guy that, you know, right now, one week he's loved, the next week he's hated, is Mike Vrabel. Clay Travis, uh, big Tennessee Titans fan, does his uh, national Fox show out of uh, Nashville, said Monday after the Titans lost that Mike Vrabel is overmatched and completely inept as Tennessee Titans head coach because, I guess what, he he tried kicking a 50-some-yard field goal with a guy who'd already missed three or four in the game. Six yeah. minutes to go in the game, and they're down seven, and he tries a field goal with a guy who but yacked it all day long. The week before, when they were up 14, uh, he had a chance for a very makeable field goal, and he went for it on fourth and one and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Titans ended up winning that game, but it got dicey at the end. So instead of taking an opportunity to put him up three scores, he went for it on fourth and one. Yeah, they won the game. Uh, I, I think that if, if he thinks – I wonder what Clay thinks of Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, that was before – Monday Night Football. <laughs> it's before Monday Night Football. What do you think of Freddie Kitchens? Well, I was going to ask you today. The easy take is Freddie Kitchens is overmatched. Freddie Kitchens, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit here uh, because, hey, they had a nice win in Baltimore, and I saw what he did with the offense last season. But I look at their problems, turnovers, penalties, decision-making, uh, down by the goal line against the Rams, toughness, when the team rushes on you like the 49ers did, that's toughness. And strategy, one of the five trick plays, like right away and getting the ball, trying to like force the ball to Odell Beckham and all that. All those things, turnovers, penalties, decisions, mm-hmm. toughness, strategy. That's coaching. So he can learn right now. Um, he's struggling big time. Yeah, you know what I would like to see on the staff, and I'm not sure if they have this or not. I know Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator, was a one-year head coach with the Arizona Cardinals before he was promptly Fired. That just goes to show you, I, I think, what the standard is in the NFL. I mean, it's hard <laughs> win to make, win that job. I, I got to believe that John Dorsey, who's a smart guy, makes his hire thinking maybe he made his hire on potential. I just don't know if Freddie Kitchens was the right guy for the type of team that they have with the type of team of bringing in uh, a bunch of different guys and signing this great free agent market and to handle egos because you know what players respond to? Players respond to somebody that has been successful or proven, I should say. I'm not saying Freddie wasn't uh, successful. Uh, I think Joe Tess made this uh, point in the broadcast on Monday night. Now, he's coaching 53 guys now. Last year, he was coaching four guys in a room. Yep. So it's a little bit different for for Freddie Kitchens. And I think that's why he got the job, because he had a great relationship and results with Baker Mayfield. And it's not a bad thought, because everything about the Browns last year had to be about maximizing Baker Mayfield, maximizing your franchise quarterback. I get it. I think they were afraid of losing Freddie Kitchens as an offensive you know, force yeah. on the team. There Boy, are a lot of guys who can call offense. I would have, I would have emptied the bank for two guys for that situation: Mike McCarthy or Bruce Arians. And McCarthy was the one that I thought, okay, there you go. He's worked with a alpha quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got a ton of experience. Now, Mike McCarthy's personality and Baker Mayfield's personality is not the same, and maybe that would matter? have been a good thing <laughs> because Freddie's and Baker. Personalities are kind of so, the same. Bruce Arians got a uh, 
similar personality. Bruce Arians wouldn't have been a bad choice. That either. would have been the best choice yeah. in hindsight. Now it's obviously we're we're sitting in our parents' basement right here doing a podcast. Yes, we are. <laughs> so we it's have a nice all basement that it we, is. We, we, <laughs> Thank you, champion windows and doors. It's a nice basement. <laughs> We have we have all the answers, but I I look back at it and and if I if you could redo history, I think Jimmy Haslam and John Dorsey would have emptied the bank for Bruce Arians because I thought Bruce Arians would have been. Now that I think about it, and, and watched, he wanted it, he was campaigning for it on TV. I don't know why he didn't get it. Maybe I, that hurt him getting it, saying he wanted it no, on TV. No, I, I think the guy's been proven enough. Oh my goodness, has he ever? So, and look at all the quarterbacks that Bruce Arians has handled over his career. I ben mean, Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer. Mm, yeah. I'm forgetting a bunch because he's done a no, great job. No, but he's uh, Luck in uh, Manning, right? Yeah. So, I mean, with, when in he was Indy. with the Colts. Yeah. yeah. So, I think when you look at Bruce uh, Arians and him not getting a job when he wanted a job, I would think because of the team that I was trying to build – by bringing in a bunch of personalities and knowing that I have a bunch of big personalities, and I think Bruce Arians could handle those personalities maybe a little bit uh, more efficiently than Freddie has so far. Now, it's only five games in. I do think this team has potential, but the problem is when we look at it, they got the Seahawks coming up here in a couple days, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at, okay, if I'm the Seahawks, what do I look at from uh, Monday night's debacle in San Francisco? So I see the Browns, and they run 276 yards. What do the Seahawks love to do? Run the football. And you're going to see a running back that a lot of people don't know about, but one of my favorite players in the league. Really? There's two or three running backs that I really like that nobody talks about. It just I just like the way they play. Okay. Uh, one is Peyton Barber, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the other one, and was my favorite last year, is Chris Carson, the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. You're going to watch this guy, and he is going to fight and claw and do whatever he has to do to get an extra inch. He's powerful. He doesn't go down with the first hit. And so I would tell the Browns defenders, and I'm sure the Browns defenders know this, so they don't need me telling them this, but you better bring it when you tackle him because he'll embarrass you. He's strong. He's vicious as a runner. Mm-hmm. He delivers the blow as opposed to receiving the blow. And you better get him to the ground because he ain't, he's not going down without a fight. Every single time he has the ball. Every single time. Sounds like Master Teague. Then, yeah. Then, then, by the way, then you have a guy like Russell Wilson. So that's another headache that you have to prepare for because that zone read will be in that offense. And it will be part of that offense, especially in short yardage and goal line. Him on, uh, he dictates to a defensive coordinator what you do on third and two and third and three of what type of coverage you can play. You have to be able to have a guy out of coverage to watch him at the line of scrimmage, something the Bengals didn't do with Kyler Murray, and I still don't know why. I I, I have lo- I, I lost more sleep over that than Lou Anarumo, the do- defensive coordinator. <laughs> Maybe that's an exaggeration. Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm still, like, Sunday night I kept thinking, why? I just, I... Maybe he Why? called it and they didn't run Why? it. Why? Well, he called I, it and they didn't I, run yeah, it. but you have to have at least the five throwing lanes inside taken care you. of. That's I gotcha. right, whatever. Okay. I, I digress. So they got a big problem coming. They got a really good football team. A really good football team that is physical and that will challenge the Browns physically. So I want to see how they respond after getting handled physically. Now it's been my experience. 
And I just did something for the Falcons, uh, because uh, athletic writer for the Falcons uh, a couple days ago. How do you think the Falcons are going to respond? And I said, it's simple. From my experience, an embarrassed unit is usually a an effective unit the following week. Mm-hmm. And I think that defensive side of the ball was embarrassed by the San Francisco 49ers. And there's nothing more embarrassing than to have a team as a defender, as a front seven defender even, to run the football because that means you got your butt whooped physically. Yeah. And, and guys usually respond to that. We want to thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the podcast. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating services all of Central Ohio and I think all the way west to Springfield. So wherever you're listening, give West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating a shot at replacing your furnace with a Lennox high-efficiency furnace. They'll give you up to hundreds off the purchase of a new Lennox high-efficiency furnace. They can take care of all your plumbing needs. You're building a home. Have West Jeff do the plumbing, the heating, the heating, cooling. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating available to you all the time on the web at westjeffplumbingandheating.com, and you can also call them, 614-879-9606. They won't keep you waiting. They will show up on time. They have great integrity, great reviews, great people. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating on the web, westjeffplumbingandheating.com. All right, would you like my little personnel solution for the Cleveland Browns to snap them out of their doldrums? Yes. You know I'm not a fan of uh, knuckleheads, repeated knuckleheads. On Tuesday morning, when the plane landed in Cleveland, uh, I would have met Antonio Callaway at the tarmac, and I would have given him his walking papers. Antonio Callaway, um, particularly in the aftermath of the Browns uh, chasing after the wildly talented but nevertheless uh, mammoth knucklehead Josh Gordon. There is no room on the Browns for Antonio Callaway. Now, is he the reason they lost the game? No. It was a tough catch down on the goal. It line. wasn't it was a, a tough it was a catch. Bad throw no, by Baker wasn't. Mayfield. It was no, not an wasn't. ideal throw. Okay. Who said that? At any, I've, Are you I've, saying that? No, I've heard that from, from uh, who? Trent Dilfer, and I heard that oh. yesterday from somebody else on uh, whatever man on Cowherd. All right. Just make the catch. The ball hits you in the hands. The receiver's rule is catch the ball. Catch the ball. If so. the standard's any lower, then you need to go be playing in, in – uh, Joe's Italian League. Would I would I be cutting Antonio Callaway as a sacrificial lamb? Yes, I would to send Ooh. a message to my team because Antonio Callaway, since becoming a Cleveland Brown, was drafted very high by the Browns given his history at Florida, where he was like a triple threat. He had a credit card thing, he had a some other thing, he had three things. So he comes to Cleveland, and what do you remember from Hard Knocks? Like the first two ep- two episodes. Oh, Antonio Callaway gets arrested, and he doesn't tell the Browns. And they find out about it through news media reports. And there's a meeting with John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson. And it's, Antonio, this is your last shot. Don't ever let this happen again. Yeah. Okay, yeah, got it. Got it all the way. And he made some plays last year. And then he shows up this year, and what? He gets suspended for violating the NFL's drug abuse po- or uh, uh, substance abuse policy. Four games he's out. So those four and this one against San Francisco are five games he's let you down because he wasn't out there. I need to send a message to my team. I don't need knuckleheads around. I don't need to try to get him the ball. He's gone if I'm there because, A, he's not reliable, and, B, because I'm sending a message to the other guys on my team. Sayonara, Antonio. The only thing that was keeping him or that is keeping him around is his talent. So if that talent and you drop a touchdown pass – 
your your margin for error. You don't only drop it, you hand it you to shrink. the Niners to run it 50 you, yards the other way. Your margin for error shrinks drastically, right? So I actually, I'm looking at you when you said that, and I said, ah, boy, you know, I'm a talent guy. I'm a second chance guy, but... Counselor, you convinced they me. They got Beckham. They got Landry. They you got can, Higgins. Hey, they got hey, Ricky Seals-Jones. They got me, plenty counselor. of guys. Yeah. Get rid Goodbye. of them. Bye-bye. Go, go, go. Let him go to New England and win a Super Bowl ring. Especially, you know. <laughs> probably what he would do. I mean, you, you convinced me on a hard knocks thing when, when they say, okay, no more this. This is it. No this more second it. chances. Then you get, then you get a what, six, five, four-game suspension right off the get-go. And the what's fun. with the Browns reporters? Nobody's asked that question. Like you guys said, John Dorsey, he'll say, "Wow, Hugh's not here." You're here. You said it. I well, heard you why say it. Why don't you put that for our tease on the podcast? Mark that down and at, and call out your your my ilk, your your former. Oh no, I guess now they're your current. They my ilk again. <laughs> yes. You've come full circle, haven't you, sir? I have. Yes, you have. Right mm. there. I mean, how do you not answer that you question? Know that is. That's me typing. That's your angry, <laughs> angry typing. Okay. So I got to tell you a quick story. You always got on me for how hard I hit the keyboard. So you break, yeah, you break your fingertip. Yeah. So last Thursday, <laughs> you know, game days in town to do Michigan State, Ohio State. So where Ryan Day typically goes to do his Thursday press conference, they got all this ESPN camera oh, yeah. stuff set up. So he had to go like off to the side, so they didn't have like the amplified mic. So before he starts his Thursday thing, Jerry Emig says to everybody, now you guys need to be quiet while Ryan's talking so the people in the back can hear because we don't have it amplified. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting in the second row. I got my laptop out. Ryan starts talking. I start yeah. typing like Ryan's comments into my laptop. So we get all done, and Jerry looks at a, a, a gentleman like two seats down from me, and he goes, hey, Tom, come on, man. Like, you're making all that noise during the press. Tom's sitting there like, ah, I didn't do anything. He's like, he points at me. He goes, it's him. It's him. He ratted typing. you out? Yeah, well, he should have ratted me out. Yeah. I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Dude, you were like hitting the keyboard with a sledgehammer." So, so you're right. I must hit it really no, hard. Here, it, well, I'll give the people the genesis of the story. Okay. So, what was our first year of doing radio together? Do you remember? Yes, two thousand and one. Two thousand, and I'm gonna say, probably seven at the fan. Okay, two thousand and seven, and that's back when email. Was big. Yeah, there's no Twitter. There's no, no Twitter. So people would email the show, and back then you weren't as uh, tolerant <laughs> of people who disagreed with you <laughs> as you are now. You've grown uh, tremendously. I've, I've inched in that area. I've yes, inched. yeah, you have. Where now you, you know, that's fine. You can disagree or agree. Back then, you felt like you had to answer every critic. Of your opinions, with a term paper, and a you know scathing rebuke, <laughs> scathing rebuke, and give an oral or a, a firmly worded email of why you were right to everybody. Yeah, and so during the break, and I'll, I'll never forget this. I think it was our second show. I'm trying to talk to you, and I look over, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing is. Then I'm asking you a question. You have this scowl on your face, and and I'm just glad to see that you have grown yeah. over the years. Where you don't answer, you answer some critics, but not every single critic that comes your way. Gotta let it go. Gotta let it roll <laughs> off your back. Did it? Or, or, or were you agree with me that at, you weren't? That wasn't your strongest oh, a, suit. <laughs> still not a strong suit. 
I still got but, them. But your responses were a page long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Really bad. I'm not proud of that at all. Uh, That's one of my fondest memories of working with you, by the way. Uh, speaking of email, you'll get a nice one if you sign up for the Spielman & Hooley newsletter. We send it out every week. Go to SpielmanandHooley.com, sign up, give us your email address, and we'll mail the newsletter to you, which will have links that we use for show prep. It'll have Chris's NFL schedule. Uh, it'll have the Faith Corner, uh, probably a little musing from my uh, journal uh, that I uh, compile in the mornings as I read my Bible and pray and contemplate my day, and uh, some other fun things uh, that we come up with. So uh, sign up at SpielmanandHooley.com. Go to PleaseReviewMyPodcast.com. Search Spielman and Hooley. Review the podcast. It helps us with sponsors, and it helps us understand what you like about the podcast, what you want in the podcast. Here's one from Jeremy. He says, I'm so pumped to see Hooley and Spielman reunited in this format, and it's even better now that they can be themselves and share their faith. Always entertaining. I'll be listening to this every week. Good. Thanks, Jeremy. We appreciate that. Very, very much. Uh, so uh, let's uh, hear from Ryan Day. Uh, Ryan Day was asked about the Redskins the other day, and that led to questions about Dwayne Haskins. Has he talked to Dwayne Haskins? He said he talked to him when the Redskins played at an exhibition game in Cleveland. And then the inevitable question came about comparing Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields. And here is what Ryan Day had to say about the comparison between uh, quarterback of the Buckeyes in 2018 and quarterback of the Buckeyes in 2019. I, I, just very different. Just very two different situations, I think. Um, you know, but both were unknown. You know, both had you know zero collegiate starts coming into the season, which is amazing when you think back on it. But um, you know, it was it was um, a situation where Dwayne was in the offense and and just had to prove that he had the game experience and those type of things. Uh, Justin uh, was much more of an unknown because he had just got here in, in January, and so he's growing every day. Um, he knows what he needs to work on. Um, but his leadership and his toughness is shown. And I think the guys in that locker room are appreciative of that. I think they see it. Uh, he's got a lot of areas to grow, a lot of things to work on. Uh, but if he continues to lead, if he continues to be tough, if he continues to be a leader in that locker room, then a lot of good things are going to happen. Your thoughts on the comparison between the two? Here's the comparison that I see. All right, I think uh, Dwayne Haskins had a better pocket presence. Dwayne Haskins anticipated throws. Throw guys open. Better than Justin Fields. Justin Fields is, you can tell he's still a, a young quarterback. He's still holding the ball a little bit too long in the pocket. I think Dwayne was able to get rid of the football or not be afraid to throw it away, as we talked about on Wednesday, to eliminate negative plays mm -hmm. by taking a zero-yard play by an incomplete pass. Uh, Justin Fields adds a different element that Dwayne didn't have. Ohio State's offense was much easier to defend last year than it is this year. And every defensive coordinator will tell you that because what Justin Fields brings to the game with his running of the football makes this offense so difficult to stop. And Herbie said it on Saturday night. As a defensive coordinator, as Michigan State, when you're playing this team, who do you take away? Well, let's double uh, K.J. Hill in the slot. Okay, then we'll leave Alave or Mac or Victor or Wilson you know, or the host of nine other guys one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. Can you stop them? Oh, no, by the way, if you do that, if you're doubling K.J. and the Hills, who are we putting on the tight end? Luke Farrell. Who are we putting on that guy? Who are we putting on Rucker? Okay, so if we, if we then do that, then they spread us all out of the field, then 
We got a guy that's going to rush for 2,000 yards. Who are we putting on him? And by the way, if he gets knocked down, here comes a guy that's going to run over you or through you in Master Teague. So this offense, and and also why this offense is, is much better than it was last year, is because of the offensive line. This offensive line is playing at a high level, Bruce. I'm telling you, man, this offensive line is as physical and is as nasty as, as any offensive line in college football. So... That's the difference to me. Well, and I, I think Justin Fields will um, get better and better and better, just like I think Dwayne Haskins will get better. And by, I think because fans are so uh, impatient with young quarterbacks in the NFL playing, I think it would be wise to let Dwayne Haskins sit. I'm not saying that he can't play because I, I believe he can play, but I want to play a young guy in there where I can have a chance for him to succeed. Washington's playing with no running game. Washington's playing with backups on the offensive line and backups on wide receivers. The game that I did two weeks ago, they had five or six and starters six. that weren't playing the football game. Now, why would I throw a guy out there? You, you know? wouldn't if you have a good long-term and that's, plan. And, and, you know, that was what Jay Gruden's point was. And Jay Gruden, we were making a point between Daniel Jones because we had the Giants in, in uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins, right? Daniel Jones had 37 starts in college. Mm-hmm. Dwayne has played 14 games, and half of those games were against junior high teams. Yeah. At least half. And the other thing, Dwayne had uh, over Justin Fields, Dwayne had a full year in Ryan Day's system. Dwayne's a year older than Justin Fields. Right. You've made the point many times. It's dead on the money. Ohio State's defense is tougher to defend, not only because Justin Fields offense can is run. To defend. Offense, yeah, is tougher to defend. Not only because Justin Fields can run, but he can run uh, in the red in the red zone. They can run with him under center. And yeah. so they have the option to do that in the red zone, and we know Ohio State struggled in the red zone last year. Dwayne Haskins wasn't going to keep the ball in the zone read. He started to, though. He, he started to. At the end of the year, that's when it's that's the Maryland when game. Better. Yeah. <coughs> but Justin is more than willing to do that. And the downside, of course, is, you know, if he gets hurt, then it's um, more difficult for them. But I will say this. Um they, I don't know that they could beat Wisconsin with Justin Fields out of the game. I'm confident they could beat every other team they Penn play State? in the regular season. Yes. I'm confident they could beat every other team they play in the regular season with Chris Chuganoff at quarterback. Hopefully we don't have to find that out. We'll see. Hopefully we don't have to find that out. Now, uh, we want to see Justin Fields out there every week, and uh, we will unless something weird happens. I would have bet you that after the Rose Bowl last year, we would see Brendan White out there every week. He's the Rose Bowl defensive MVP, the son of William White. But if you've uh, watched the Ohio State uh, defense, the resurgence of the defense, you've seen Brendan White eh, 15-ish snaps per game. So when I talked to Ryan Day on Tuesday, I asked him, uh, where's Brendan White been? Uh, When will we see him? What's the ideal kind of team for uh, Brendan White to play against? I think that there's certain, you know, that that hybrid position, that bullet is is kind of a a bigger safety who plays linebacker. And so, you know, if it's a little bit pass heavy, um, you know, sometimes you'll see the the bullet in there a little bit more. If it's if it's heavy heavy pass, it's more of a nickel, more of a, a defensive back, a corner type. Um, and so that's that's the good thing for us is that we have some different personnel groupings we can get into on defense now to counter what we're seeing on offense. 
And so the more things you can do, then obviously the, the more versatility you, you provide as a player. Um, but, but no, Brendan's doing a good job in terms of learning the position. You know, he's, he jumped around a little bit in his position. So now that he's settling into this, I think that, you know, he played better this week. You know, and he, he is improving over the last couple of weeks, and I think he's going to continue to improve. So he didn't really answer that. Well, he said against a team that passes a lot, they're going to be a nickel. And against a team that, you know, a tailback-heavy team, you might see him more because you need him up at the line of scrimmage to be able to tackle. So maybe you'll see him more against Wisconsin. Here's what I think is keeping Brendan White off the field. Two guys, Sean Wade mm-hmm. playing great in a slot, corner when they're a nickel, and Pete Werner who gives them versatility. Pete Werner can cover. Pete Werner's playing at a really, really, really high level. And Brendan got on the field last year because guys like Tough Borland, Pete Werner were struggling. They're playing a different defense too, right? So Brendan was on the field last year a lot because, man, look, if I were Brendan, I'd be frustrated. I I wouldn't talk to William. I haven't talked to Brendan. But I understand he's a competitor and he's not, you know, he's a Rose Bowl MVP and all of a sudden he's not good enough to play. Uh, consistently yeah. or a lot. Start or start. So I'm sure that's frustrating, but that's what Ohio State has, and that's, again, the atmosphere that was created by Urban Meyer when you have immense amounts of talent and you have to perform all the time. And if you don't, somebody else does, that somebody else is going to get your reps. Uh, Sean Wade, by the way, another future first-round NFL pick. Yeah, he's on the fringe right now. From, no, I just... You're saying he's a first-rounder. Yeah, DBU. DBU. I used to thought it was LBU. I think I, I've changed my mind. It's DBU. It's hard to argue. I, I can't argue that. It's no. DBU. Marshawn Lattimore, Gary and Conley, Denzel Ward. But that's just first-rounders. I mean, yeah. you, there's guys Don in Bell. the league. Sheffield, or Sheffield is... Kendall uh, Sheffield, yeah. He's in the league with Atlanta. Yeah. He's going to start because Atlanta is so bad. He's going to get much more playing time this uh, Sunday coming up against the Cardinals. It's just amazing. And that's such uh, an advantage in recruiting, Bruce, when you're going around because of the oh, nature wow. of the passing game in college football and you're going to all these high schools and you can pick the best corners in the world in high school because you say, hey, by the way, all our corners – are playing in the league. They're making a chance. Where do you want to play? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big advantage for Ohio State. No doubt about that. All right. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. We love answering your emails. Here's one from John, speaking of Ohio State defensive backs. says, I'm interested in hearing your comments about the Browns, starting cornerbacks Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, who've been injured with hamstring issues these past few weeks. I know the Browns are probably just being cautious, but Denzel Ward's case Seems he's had a history of being injured. I worry about his long-term durability as a Cleveland Brown. He seems like a great kid. Do you see him as durable and reliable going forward? I'm worried, too. Browns no, are I do not. And I said that when they picked him. <laughs> I said, no, pick Bradley Chubb. Now, Bradley Chubb's not reliable either because he tore his ACL and he didn't have any sacks. But Denzel Ward's availability worries me. He had concussion issues last year. He's got hamstring issues this year. I have no quarrels yeah. with his ability, but the best ability is... Availability. Thank you. I, I can't argue until it's proven different. The The only thing is, um, I don't think they're being cautious. At that position, you can't have a hamstring because if your hamstring's tight and you're not moving at full speed, it's touchdown. Yep. It's it's you. So there's no, there's no, there's no room out there for limping or playing at 90%. You can't. You said to me years ago, and I've always remembered this about guys, you hear stories of NFL players, he's playing with this, he's playing with that. You played with, what, a torn pec? 
Play with a lot, anything upper body. You said with. if you can't run, can't you play. can't play. Can't play. You'll get embarrassed and you hurt your team. You can't play. And that's even more so the case out of corner. Yep. All right. We end every podcast with a faith element. Um, it is uh, the favorite portion of the podcast for many of you, and it certainly is the favorite portion for us because what we do, uh, we have a couple different objectives. We want to entertain and we want to encourage. And so, uh, and we want to be transparent about who we are without imposing what we believe. We want to expose what we believe. So, uh, Mr. Spielman has uh, something there. So, do you know what's? Do you know you're you're a wordsmith? <laughs> you you fancy yourself a wordsmith at least, at the very least. I don't. You're the one who said I'm a wordsmith. Well, you you are. I don't fancy myself. Yes, a you wordsmith. you fan. Uh, do you like how? You, well, I was. Trying to make a, a pun there, yeah. fancy myself. Uh, yes, right. I yes. mean, Very I good. think you would get that. Yes, the first time I said it, you but... using a word like that was quite the anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the definition of content? Um, I would say um, my definition of contentment is um, resting in your circumstances, knowing that. God will provide. That's my definition. Okay. That's, I mean, I can see it's peaceful happiness. It's having a peace and happiness. I don't, love, I don't love the word, I don't love the word happiness because happiness to me sounds like happenstance, which depends on circumstances. Contentment is peace regardless of circumstances. Let me okay. sharpen my definition. All right. So the adjective of it is it, he's seeing more content, less better in a state of peaceful happiness uh state of satisfaction okay yeah okay okay so we'll, we'll go, go with, with that. that so how does our peers men and women define contentment in today's world would you say i'd say it's 95% tied to circumstances economics relationships social standing relative to social comparisons others make, how you think, what you think other people think of you. Right. So how do we get out of that? Do you know? I mean, I, I look, here's, the, here's, I used to think this. I think we have a problem. I'm, when I say we, I always include myself because I have the same struggles that everyone listening to this show struggles with. Contentment for men, especially. Let's just talk men because you and I can come from experience there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we define our self-worth by how much money we make, where we are on the food chain at work. Uh, I think I am, I, I struggle with that all the time because I think I'm better than some guys out there and, and they're getting opportunities that I'm not getting. Chris, and that's, so, my, that's been my struggle you know, for months since you know the but, change at the zone, it's been a str struggle for me yeah. daily because I feel my duty is to provide for my family, and it's a little yeah. on that front right now is not great. Yeah, and that's how I mean we're we're going to we we just can't help it. That's our human nature as a man to dis to find your define yourself by your self worth. And what am I worth? Is what am I worth financially? What am I worth to my family? What am I worth to uh, my friends? And biblically, that's not how we're supposed to be. You can't define yourself by that, right? right? And that comes, I'm reading from a book here. By the way, it's called A True Measure of a Man by Richard E. Simmons, if anybody's interested. And this is the last book that I read. Um, 
If there is no meaning nor purpose behind difficult outside circumstances, then life will always be bleak and disappointing, especially when we go through trying times. And and so there's always got to be meaning for what we're going through. So you got to find contentment no matter what you're going for, through. And this is a, a just a, a real brief uh, contentment compared to what? First, it strikes me that if peace and contentment in our hearts are dependent on outside circumstances, how we compare with others when we are in trouble because we have little or no control over so many situations we face. As we have seen, the truth is comparing ourselves with others can never serve a true measure of anything in an absolute sense. We got to stop comparing ourselves, comparing our circumstances to others, because in the long run, in my opinion, we always fall short. You'll never be satisfied and you'll never be content. Correct. There's always so, somebody you'll be able to magnify and believe are better. So and Paul writes, we don't commend ourselves by others who measure themselves by themselves. Right. They are not wise. Right. So if you want to be wise, don't measure yourself by others. So contentment comes from being <clears throat> content and having peace within your circumstances and God's peace within your circumstances because God always promised that God will provide. You just got to believe that and hold true to that. And it's a constant battle, and one that some days I win and some days I lose, but because the more spiritually I think about it, the more days I win, that I've got to stop comparing my circumstances to other people's circumstances or coveting or whatever you want to use. Yeah. I have to stop that. And I'm encouraging everybody out there to stop comparing where you are. Stop comparing how much money you make and, and finding true contentment. And true contentment can be found in, in little things like the health of your family. Like things a, we tend to put, take for granted. Put as little, yeah. but if they would go south, they would become the biggest thing in our life. Yeah. And a, a great way to get in this mindset, I've heard many people do this, is at the end of every day, they'll write down something they're thankful for. Yeah. It helps you focus on good things in your life. Right. Focus on the good things. Well, I just want to encourage everybody to seek contentment, not complacency, but contentment. Apart from circumstances. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, that's right. That's it, what which contentment is. is. It's, it's, not tied it's to probably the biggest challenge that I have in my life. Because we, we live, as men, we are measured by what we provide, and what we do, and where's our standing at work, and where's our standing in the community, and where's our standing at home. And you're never going to live up. You're not going to live up to it. No, and, and you know, Paul also writes about pressing on. You know, I'm reaching for that goal. I haven't attained it yet, but I'm pressing on. So there's a diligence in, in the pursuit, but there's a peace knowing that, you know, Christ is with you and that your faith is in something bigger and you're living for a higher purpose. You're striving, but you're not always measuring yourself. It's like when you lose weight. You don't go weigh yourself every two hours. You know, you wait a week to, to check where you yeah. are. Always be measuring your progress, though. Like, at some point, it's not bad to check in. Paul talks about measuring yourselves, making sure you're in the faith and all that. So, yeah. So, what can you use as a tool? I encourage you all to go to Matthew six thirty two through 34. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. So just keep seeking, and you'll be content, and you'll win more days than you'll lose. 
Uh, you are off to Phoenix. Have a safe trip. Cardinals and Falcons. Cardinals and Falcons. Battle Fantastic. of the one, the uh, two one-win teams. Fired up. Get it going. Excellent. Big game. Buckeyes are off. Some good college games this weekend. We got Texas. Who's and Oklahoma. Michigan have? Since Michigan takes a general interest Michigan, in our podcast, Michigan has Penn State is at uh, at Iowa. How about that Michigan offensive juggernaut against oh, Iowa? Yeah, their defense looked really good, though. I mean, really good. Yeah, you're not scared. That's Iowa's offense. <laughs> that were Ohio State's offense. An Iowa offense put 55 up on Ohio State. Not quite that Iowa <laughs> offense. Not quite that Iowa <laughs> offense. All right. Uh, that's it for Friday. You guys enjoy your weekend. Uh, there'll be no post-game podcast Saturday because there's no game to uh, reflect upon. But uh, I think I'm going to do one Monday because I think people are looking forward to it. You will not be back, but no. you will join uh, next Wednesday. Yep. And we're thinking of uh, – Chris and I are going to talk about uh, – you know, some future plans for the podcast I think you guys will be excited about. So sign up for the newsletter at SpielmanandHooley.com, and everybody have a great, great weekend.